Chapter 17 I knew if I showed up at Steve's house, he would help me sooner or later, especially if I was nicer to him than my first time as a ghost. Although I worried that things might play out the same as before, with him ending up in a cell accused of my murder. I didn't want to risk it. I went to my mum's house instead. Emma was there, but she was being strong by comforting mum as she wept in between rants about Paul and his halls. The information I give my mum in order to help Emma worked too well. Now he'd become the prime suspect as far as she was concerned. On the bright side, Emma looked disgusted at the idea of Paul seeing prostitutes. I even caught her searching on her phone for a nearby sexual health clinic. Just because I didn't want her to be with a cheat, that didn't mean I'd forgiven her. Her anxiety over the possibility of having caught something provided enough satisfaction for me, though. As I considered reintroducing myself to Steve, I noticed my sister kept moving her eyes around the room whenever my mum's attention was diverted away from her. What was she looking for? I told myself it didn't matter, but continued to spy on her. Emma's mobile buzzed in her pocket. The vibrating sound resembled a small drill. It must have gone off at least ten times. I saw her jolt in her seat each time. It was obvious she was aware of someone trying to get hold of her. But she ignored it. I told myself it was out of respect to Mum. She couldn't be texting or answering calls to her friends while Mum grieved over me. The digital clock on the mantelpiece read 2.37am when Mum fell asleep. Her eyes flickered. She let out small snores in between mumbling something I didn't understand. Emma didn't seem able to decipher her words either. My sister shrugged to herself while sitting in the sofa. She began to shift, allowing Mum to lie a little more down until Emma was off the sofa and Mum was lying flat. Emma stood looking down at Mum for a few minutes. Her eyes darted around the room and back to Mum. What are you up to? I whispered in case Mum was in the sleep state where she might hear me. There was something more going on than my sister waiting for an appointment at a sexual health clinic. She shivered, even though the thermometer on the wall showed it was 15C, so hardly shivering temperature. I'd witnessed Emma go outside in colder climates, wearing next to nothing. I followed her up the stairs. When she reached the landing, she took out her mobile and dialed a number I didn't recognise. It was listed under Joan. I never heard her mention anyone called Joan, but that meant very little. I didn't know who any of her friends were. I'm in the house now, she said. She paused while the other person spoke. I'm about to. If it's anywhere, it'll be in her room, Emma whispered. Another pause. Okay, I'll call you if I find it. What was she looking for, I asked myself. This didn't feel right. I did my best to ignore the nagging voices in the back of my head, not wanting to believe any of the things they suggested. I followed her into my bedroom. It wasn't the way I would usually leave it. The bed remained unmade after my haste to get to Emma's and make up for years of us being distant. I should have known a few minutes would never solve the issues between us. I had to try though, or I thought so at the time. Emma went to the chest of drawers, rifling through my underwear. If I was searching through the other drawers where I didn't have much, everything else was still at Paul's. I only packed one bag when I left. That's all I needed. What are you looking for? I asked. 
Emma let out a loud sigh, then swore under her breath. She looked lost as she glanced around the bedroom, even though we had shared the room as children. She knelt on all fours, twisting her head to search under the bed. By this point, I became annoyed. Was she looking for something of mine to steal now that I was dead? I recalled her borrowing my clothes without permission. On the few occasions she returned them, it was after they were stained or damaged. This was a new law, I mused. It made no sense, though. Why would she need to ring someone about stealing her dead sister's belongings? She took in deep breaths, struck the floor with both hands and pulled herself to her feet. Emma stood for a few moments, muttering something too quietly for me to make out the words, then threw herself onto the bed. Her hand slapped against the mattress. She punched one of my pillows. I couldn't tell if this was what she wanted to do to me, or if it was a strange form of mourning for the sister she never really had. Did she suddenly regret all the times we could have been there for each other? I stepped forward, wanting to reach out, close to sympathy for my younger sibling before her next actions, Shattered those feelings like delicate crystals dropping from a great height. One of the pillows toppled onto the floor. She picked up the other one and flung it against the wall. I saw the driving licence before she did, remembering I wanted my mum or the police to find it. I stared at my sister, hoping she would look down and at least care enough to tell the police about the identification she found in my room. Even if she had to come up with a cover story about what she was doing in my room, she'd tell them, wouldn't she? Emma must have the sense to grasp how it could be linked to my murder. A gaze fell to the licence. Tim's eyes stared straight ahead. I understand that passports and driving licence pictures make most people look like suspects from a most wanted list, but this would have made the top ten. It screamed serious serial killer with a side-serving of serious fetish for women close to death. The image of him dry-humping me as I bled out invaded my memories. Sicko, I muttered, shaking my head in an attempt to shake off the memory. Got you, Emma exclaimed, picking up the evidence needed to navigate the police's spotlight onto my killer. Take it to the police, I urged knowing she couldn't hear, but the suggestion might somehow reach her without her knowing it was mine. Instead, she shoved it into her back left pocket and took out her phone from her front pocket. She dialed the same number as before. I got it, she said. I'll bring it straight to you. There was a pause. Yes, and the money too. Then we're square and I never see you again. Do you hear me? She hung up without waiting for a response. I wanted to scream at her to lash out and hit her or take away something she cared about, anything just to hurt her a fraction of the way her actions had done to me. She killed me, not with her own hands, but she had killed me. Instead of trying any of the things I wanted to do to her, I stood there staring at her. Even with my scrambled thoughts, I understood she was calling Tim, not Joan. She had stolen the evidence against him and was paying him for killing me. When I went to see her and she said she had a lot of things to do, I never suspected one of those things on her to-do list was making final arrangements for my murder. I didn't want to believe it, though. That's why I followed her, hoping for another explanation, anything at all to prove myself wrong. As distant as we were when I was alive, I wanted to be wrong about this. Emma caught a taxi to an address in sale, the same one on Tim's driving licence. 
I told myself there must be another reason for her being there. Maybe it was a setup to catch my killer, but that didn't add up either. When she stood on his doorstep, I watched unseen by her side, hoping the address was wrong and someone else lived there, no matter how much of a coincidence that would be. Get inside, Tim hissed, opening the door wider and pulling my sister over the doorstep by her arm. I followed her inside. Walking through the closed door reminded me I was dead again, permanently this time, I assumed. Here, she shoved the ID into his hand, turning to leave as Tim tried to turn the yell lock. Emma battered his hand away, turning the lock the other way to open the door. Where? he persisted, putting his hand over hers and pressing his body against her. He was only wearing a dressing gown, it fell open a little. He looked down at the same time Emma did. My sister crumpled up her face. Even more than the time I gave her a bag of sour drops to eat and she poured half the bag into her mouth without knowing what they were. That made me laugh. I wasn't laughing this time, though. Get out, I snapped at Emma, temporarily forgetting she had just handed over an important piece of evidence in my murder case. Let me go, she said, her voice faltering. Pay me. It doesn't have to be money, he said. His lips moved closer to her neck. She shuddered, pushing him away with one hand, and reaching into her bag with the other, she pulled out what cat of been more than £3,000 and shoved the bundle of notes into his hands. That's all my life is worth, I snapped. I looked at her, waiting for an explanation. None arrived. Of course she didn't know I was there. We weren't close, I told myself. But it wasn't enough to excuse her. Plenty of families aren't close, not everyone pays some creepy weirdo to kill their sibling, though. You don't have to leave, Tim persisted, grabbing at Emma as she unlocked the door, managing to pull it halfway open before he tried to stop her. For a second, I considered letting him do the same thing to her as he did to me. I saw the gleam in his eye. It was like a wild animal brought up to be tamed before getting its first taste of blood. I could tell he was hooked. I was the first, but he would kill again. He got off on it in the most sexually perverse way. Emma would be his second. I thought of Mum. I imagined her getting the call. A second and only remaining daughter killed in the same way as the oldest. It would destroy her. I had read about people overcome by grief not living much longer after so much loss. Maybe it was the stress, but I couldn't let Emma die. For mum's sake, if no other reason. I focused on the door, making it fling open while using my energy to knock Tim out of the way at the same time. Both of them looked shocked. Tim looked around from where he lay at the bottom of the stairs. Emma looked at Tim then at the open door. Run, I bellowed. Emma jumped back as if she heard me, then dashed out of the house. I stayed behind to guard Tim until I could no longer hear her feet pounding down the street. Tim got up and counted his money, although I noticed his hands shaking. It added up to £2,500. I was worth even less than I first thought. I told myself that wasn't important. He had the ID. I could move things, but I never learned how to pick up objects for long enough to take them from one place to another when there were miles between the two places. If I wanted to get the potential evidence back from him, 
I would need to get help before the police searched my bedroom at my mum's house. I left Tim to his money, received for doing something he clearly enjoyed doing. I had more important things to do, like make sure he got arrested before he got the opportunity to kill again. I thought about Steve, knowing it was a risk, because I was using up a lot of energy again. It was a bad idea so soon after making the door open and throwing Tim backwards away from my sister. I went ahead and transported myself anyway. I made sure I appeared outside Steve's door, recalling that he didn't like to be caught off guard, and it had to be about five o'clock in the morning. It took me more than a few attempts to make the doorbell ring, but I wanted to make Steve's first impression of me as a ghost a good one. After I waited a few minutes, Steve opened the door. You, from the other day, he said. I'm dead now, but that's not important. I've dealt with it, but I do need your help, please. What? He asked, rubbing his eyes, maybe hoping I would vanish so he could go back to bed. I need your help to catch a killer, but the good news is I know he is and who hired him. However, I'm dead, which means that getting information to the police will be problematic. That's why I need your help. Nobody else can see me.